Last time on U62 The Targ. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. You had me at hello. Mendoza! It's a secret I'll take to my grave. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Scully, I need you on this. We're sending you back to the future. Warp one, Mr. Scott. I am Iron Man. Wallop and Web Snapper. You've got to let it go. Nothing will bring them back. All I have left is my vengeance. Think of the children. Game over, man. Game over. Ten seconds left to self-destruction. Badgers, we don't need no stinking badgers. Fantastic. Allons-y. Geronimo. I got new kidneys. Snooch to the motherfucking nooch. And now, the conclusion, taking place on January 26, 2014. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. All right, here it comes. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Why, what a little tiny microchip Electronic broadcasting to the world through the miracle of the internet, ladies and gentlemen. This is U62 the Tar. Now, your host, a man with a lifelong dream of getting paid to do this, Mark Pappas. On this week's show, it's an untold tale of radio dissecting the Doctor Who Christmas special and chatting about movies I saw lately. It's episode 7.0 or 1, Back for Maybe. So sit back, relax, grab yourself some warm root beer and a towel that's oh so fluffy. U62 the Tar, you're in for something special. Enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Cap is here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Targ. Hopefully, I'll finally be back on some kind of a regular basis. So, I've already given reasons many, many episodes ago for my long hiatus. You know, I moved, I wanted to relaunch it. So, I guess the more important question is what inspired me to try to bring it back? Well, it's like this I got an old buddy from broadcast school. He launched his own podcast. It's called the Off Mic Podcast. He interviews folks in radio. I highly suggest you check it out. It's fun to listen to for a podcast. And when he was interviewing me for his podcast, he asked about mine and what happened to it. And, uh, well, I kind of dodged the question. And he said, well, who knows? Maybe this will scratch the itch and it'll make you want to do yours again. And, well, I guess it has. So here we are. We are back. The problem is with my new schedule is finding out when I should sit down to do this. I mean, last time, you know, for my job, I was at the morning show host at the radio station. So I had all a Friday afternoon free. I would sit down and do it on Friday afternoons. But now, you know... Uh, my current radio duties are more a 9 to 5 job. I start at 8 in the morning. I go home at 6 at night. So I guess I got to set aside some time on the weekend or maybe Friday night because, you know, I don't have a life. And I don't do anything on Friday night anyways. So we are still kind of figuring things out. But, yeah, hopefully we can bring this back. 
I guess another reason why I wanted to do it is uh, going back uh, to uh, Drew Dalby's podcast. That's my buddy's name, Drew Dalby, dropping names all over the place I am. Uh, when I was doing his and sharing my stories of how I got into radio and why I wanted to do it, there was one story I wanted to tell on his podcast that kind of slipped my mind and I never got around to it. And that is how I finally got my first job in radio. For those just joining us, it took me a year out of broadcast school, a year of pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, begging, sending out demo tapes, begging for a job until something broke through. But I think what finally helped me break through was Sonic 102.9 in Edmonton. So when I'm looking for my first job, it's very early in the history of Sonic 102.9. And as one of their gimmicks, they were having open auditions for a news guy. They were just hiring any old random stranger off the street to be the news guy and join their morning show. Of course, you know, they were doing the whole American Idol style reality TV contest, only, you know, on the radio instead of TV. So I'm reading up on this. I see it posted to several of my favorite media job sites, actually, and I'm looking at that and thinking, you know what? This is just as good as any other job that's turned me down. I should go for it. So the big day comes. They were having the open auditions at Southgate Mall there in Edmonton. So I get in there. I get into the very, very, very long line because the promise of radio stardom is strong for some. So I'm standing there in line. It's a few hours. I could see an electronics store. They had a scene from Toy Story 2 on loop. I watched that same scene over and over and over again. It was a little bit embarrassing because since this was new in Sonic's history, they snatched up a lot of my classmates to fill out their promotions department. So they were there managing the lines, managing the crowds. They would see me standing in line. They'd come over to say hi. Oh, hey, Mark, how's it going? Let me guess, you're a spy here for the competition because you were so smart and awesome in broadcast school. Obviously, you already work for someone else. And I was like, well, no, no one's hired me yet, so I figured this is just as good as anything else. And then they'd laugh and act like they didn't know me and get back to work. So after standing in line for a few hours, I'm finally getting close enough to the front of the line where they give you the sample news script you have to read. I get it, and even though they tell you not to, I begin frantically rewriting it to better suit my on-air style. Uh, there were four news stories on the script I remember. Uh, the first one was a serious news story, so I pretty much left that untouched. The second and the third and the fourth were all goofy, silly, wacky news stories, so I rewrote them, gave them a better punchline that was more in keeping with my sense of humor, and when I'm about to start rewriting the fourth one, that's when the reporter for CTV Edmonton shoves the news camera in my face, and he's all like, so, what brought you down here today? And I told the story, well, you know, I graduated from Nate, I'm looking for my first radio job, and this is just as good as everyone else who's turned me down. Ha, ha, ha. Awkward laughter. And then they call me up. I am giving the open audition. So... I tell you, this has got to be one of the most stressful job interview type things I've ever done in my life. Standing before me is the panel of judges. To the left is that reporter for CTV Edmonton with the TV camera shoved in my face, filming this all for the 6 o'clock news. And on my right-hand side is a guy who is actually a semester behind me at Nate, already hired at Sonic as a producer, and he's running the audio equipment recording my audition. So, yeah, just a little bit of stress. So I did the serious news story. I did the first silly news story. 
my rewritten punchline got a big laugh. I did my second one. My rewritten punchline got a big laugh. The third one, remember, I didn't get a chance to rewrite the punchline on this one. So I give it as scripted nothing. So knowing this is my one chance, I just throw something out there, the first thing that comes to mind, and it lands with a huge laugh. Awesome. They give me my silver ticket. I am off to the next level. The next level was actually joining the morning show for a morning to see how I fit in, and that didn't go so well. The one critique I distinctly remember was I wasn't funny enough. And I remember that. I was like, okay, this is for real. This is for the news. You got to be serious. So I was serious. But, you know, going back to that sample script, which was was, uh, chock full of silly news stories, I should have gone on the silly side. So sadly, I lost the contest and I didn't get hired by Sonic. So a few months later, I'm back at Nate. I'll forever be grateful to my uh, instructors at Nate. They were always letting me sneak back in after hours and recut my demo and stuff like that. And I'm talking to one of my instructors. We were doing a bit of a postmortem on my whole Sonic experience. And my instructor's all like, you know, after that, I'm kind of surprised you haven't gotten any calls back for any news jobs. And I'm like, oh, I'm not applying for news jobs. I actually don't want to do news, so I haven't been applying for news jobs. And my instructor, his jaw just drops and he says, Mark, it's like this. Other program directors were listening to that whole Sonic stunt. And trust me, you impressed a few of them. You've got to be riding on this right now. Send out news demos while you're still top of mind. So since I was there at Nate that night in order to, you know, recut my demo, I went down to the newsroom, I put together a sample newscast, put together a news demo, sent that out, and within a month I got the interview for the job in Athabasca. And the rest is history. And that's a story I never got to tell on the Off Mic Podcast. Once again, uh, check it all out. Uh, you can find the website at offmicpodcast.tumblr.com. I also helped Drew get it on iTunes, so download it on iTunes as well. Well, I rambled quite a bit, so I'm going to shut up now and play some music for you. Here's Wake Me Up on the Tar. Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beaten heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start They tell me I'm too young to understand They say I'm caught up in a dream Well, life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes So that's fine by me So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself in
But I only have two hands Hope I get the chance to travel the world But I don't have any plans Wish that I could stay forever this young Not afraid to close my eyes Life's a game made for everyone And love is a prize So wake me up when it's all over Avicii, wake me up here on U62 The Tar. Good afternoon, Mark Campus here with you. So yeah, when I was uh, doing Drew's podcast, we were talking about, you know, the differences between college radio and real radio, because, you know, apparently among all my classmates at Nate, I had the longest college radio career, what with three and a half years at CLCR before I decided to get serious about this. We were talking about the differences and I'm like, things are a little bit different when you have a program director hovering over your shoulder telling you things like, you can't do a seven minute rant on Doctor Who. Well, you know what? This is my podcast, and I can do whatever I want. So here's the seven-minute rant on Doctor Who. You know, in the past few months, it's been uh, some big shakeups in the Hooniverse. Uh, we had the Day of the Doctor, which was the great big 50th anniversary special. And one month after that, we had the Time of the Doctor, which was the final adventure for the 11th Doctor as played by Matt Smith. Now, the Day of the Doctor, I already went into that uh, quite a bit on my blog, so I don't think I'll repeat myself, but I haven't had a chance yet to talk about the time of the Doctor. So basically, the big send-off they had for the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, was this. It's Christmas, because it was a Christmas special, and there's this mysterious signal going throughout the universe. All of the evil aliens that the Doctor has fought. They're all gathering at this planet to determine the source and translate this signal. So the Doctor shows up, he does his magic, and he discovers that his time is coming to an end. The planet is called Trenzalore. The prophecy has said that this is where the Doctor will die. The signal is coming from a crack in the universe, just like the first Matt Smith series. And the transmission being blasted through that crack, Doctor Who. When the question is answered, the Doctor will fall. That is what the prophecy said. So yeah, the uh, long explanation is uh, Gallifrey, the Doctor's home planet, which he saved at the end of uh, the Day of the Doctor, it is now in a parallel universe somewhere. And the cracks in the universe, those are weak spots and Gallifrey is trying to come back to our universe. The question, Doctor Who. The Doctor answers with his real name. They know it's safe for Gallifrey to come out. The Time Lords are restored. 
Problem with that is, all of the Doctor's aliens are now gathered around the planet, so when the Time Lords appear, their giant galaxy-destroying war will start anew, and all hell will break loose. So, the Doctor decides to stay there on the planet, because there's a village on the planet. He has to defend those villagers. And what takes place is a centuries-long standoff between the Doctor and all his enemies in order to keep this town safe. Now, looking back on it, I have kind of the same complaint about it that I had about all of the Matt Smith-era Christmas specials. That is, the majority of it is fairly humdrum, kind of by the numbers, but then in the last 10 minutes, everything gets so super-duper emotional that you can't help yourself. And of course, the last 10 minutes are super-duper emotional because that's when the doctor's about to die and he's saying his goodbyes to his companion, Clara, and he's just ready to go off and become another doctor. And that's where things really got emotional, as he said his goodbyes. But the rest of it before that, it's all kind of, you know, a typical... 11th Doctor Adventure. And actually they explained it because the Doctor has 13 lives, so how come the 11th is his last one? Well, it turns out there were two other ones in the series that didn't count. So the 11th Doctor was really the 13th, and the fans are having a field day trying to figure out how to renumber it, so yeah, I'm not going to subscribe to that debate. All I know is we got a brand new Doctor, and dang it, we gotta wait till August for more episodes to see the new Doctor. So at the end of the day, yeah, the time of the Doctor, meh, whatever. But still, so long and fare thee well, number 11, or number 13, or whatever his number is now. Everything's better with Mark Chappis. Crime has gone down, productivity is up, and ratings for Doctor Who are through the roof. Mark Chappis on U62, The Targ. darkness and guided by beating hearts I can't tell where my journey will end but I know where it starts they tell me I'm too young to understand they say I'm caught up in a dream life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes well, that's fine by me so wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I, I didn't know I was lost So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I Try carrying the weight of the world But I only have two hands I hope I get the chance to travel the world But I don't have any plans Wish that I could stay forever this young Not afraid to close my eyes Life's a game made for everyone And love is a prize When I'm wiser 
Your Ears Do Not Deceive You. That is a country music cover of the first song I played in this podcast. That is Wake Me Up Again, but now it's by Tebe and Emerson Drive. I heard that, I'm like, that's awesome. Crossover appeal right there. This is U62, the TAR. Good afternoon. Mark Camp is here with you. I was hoping to record this podcast a little earlier in the day. I'm saying good afternoon, but it's really the evening right now. I kind of wound up stuck on the couch watching Alien 3. Yeah, the other day I picked up uh, the Alien franchise on Blu-ray. When it comes to sci-fi franchise, I've always been fairly indifferent towards the Alien franchise, but you know, it was so dirt cheap, I couldn't help but pick it up. And I was watching Alien 3 this afternoon. Alien 3 is an incredibly fascinating film when you know the history behind it. David Fincher, the guy who went on to direct Fight Club and Seven and The Social Network, he won the Best Director Oscar for The Social Network. Alien 3 was his first film. And because it was his first film, and because it had a $40 million budget, which was an astronomical sum back in 1991 when they filmed it, he was micromanaged to death. He refuses to talk about it in any interviews because the studios, they just kind of got in there and they started mucking up his vision for an alien film and they just screwed it with him too much. So it's interesting. In the history of big time blockbuster films, Alien 3 is generally regarded as one of the king of clusterfucks of production. So yeah, I watched the film and then I had to watch some of the bonus features. They touch upon the whole studio screwing over David Fincher throughout the filming, but they don't go into it too much in depth, but still, you know, absolutely interesting to watch. Yeah, but other than that, you know, saw a bunch of other movies lately. We can talk about the whole Christmas blockbuster season. You know, I saw Thor The Dark World. I remember reading online going into it that the first Thor movie, while most superhero movies are polarizing, people either love them or hate them, Thor was pretty much the first one where everyone was like, man, it's all right. And that was my reaction to Thor The Dark World. Man, it's all right. And then after that, I saw The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, or Smog. I was always told it was pronounced Smog, but now for the movie, they're saying it's Smaug, whatever. All I know is, uh, having read the book, I love the book. Man, oh man, you can really feel the padding in the film. Did they ever pad it out? And I know they had to set up a cliffhanger ending for the third film, but the cliffhanger ending for The Desolation of Smaug it's not satisfying. I mean, looking back at the Lord of the Rings films, even looking back at the first Hobbit movie, they were able to create a cliffhanger ending, but still do it in such a way that, you know, it felt like this chapter is at an end. And for the second Hobbit movie, it does not feel like this chapter is at an end. It's a very abrupt and inappropriate ending. Blech. And then after that, I saw Frozen. You know, I love animated movies, and Frozen was getting so many good reviews, I figured I had to go see it. And again, I don't have as much critical praise for it as others do. I figured Frozen was just, meh, it's alright. They do a few different twists to the Disney princess formula just to keep it fresh, and yeah, kept it fresh enough for me. It's got good songs in it, really good songs. It's uh, The songs for Frozen were done by the guy who did the legendary off-Broadway musical Avenue Q, and then teamed up with the South Park guys to do Book of Mormon. Yeah, he did the songs for Frozen, and they are awfully good. I'm very tempted to pick up the soundtrack because the songs are so awesome. <sighs> 
well, you know what? I think this was not too bad for my first podcast back. I'm getting kind of tired. I'm getting kind of wore out. So I think this will be a good place to end it. Hopefully we'll have one back next week. Hopefully I'll figure out some new routine and start doing this again. It feels kind of good to be doing this. And so, yeah, let's see if we can pull this off. I'm Mark Kappas. This has been The Targ. I will see you next week. And this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of The Targ. Don't forget you can download a new episode of The Targ every week at chaosinabox.com. The Targ is written and produced by Mark Kappas under the watchful eye of 42 Star Wars action figures. The Targ is a Chaos in a Box production. It was a good ride while it lasted. Come on, kids. Let's go home. We are home. That was fast.